0: Welcome to the next edition of PJ Live, the podcast. We want to use this platform to connect you with interesting people, to bring insight on matters affecting members, discuss timely new topics, analyze trends, and inspire our members. Through this podcast series, we'll be spending time with a wide variety of people, including members of staff, members of the association, and also members of the wider golf industry, discussing subjects that are relevant to you as members, as well as what's going on in the day-to-day of the golf industry. My name is Rich Barker and I will be your host. My day job at the PGA is as Executive Director of Business Development. If you're expecting an experienced and polished podcast host, I can only apologise in advance. I am, however, excited to be on the journey with you and will be doing my best to keep everybody in line. PGA Live the podcast has evolved from the PGA Live webinar series that we launched earlier this year during lockdown. We already have lots of ways of communicating with you as members, including digital and print versions of the magazine, the weekly Connect email and the members' website to name just a few. On today's PGA Live, the podcast, we are joined by PGA Master Professional and Principal Owner of the Howard Swash Putting Academy, Phil Kenyon. Phil has built a reputation as one of the most sought-after specialist putting coaches that has worked with many of the world's leading players. Welcome Phil and thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. Cheers Richard, David.
0: Also joining us as co-host, that's an official role David, is my colleague David Colclough, Head of Coaching and Sports Science for the PGA and Advanced Fellow Member of the PGA as well. Uh, Thank you David for joining us. Good afternoon Rich, looking forward to this, Uh, Philip as well. It's going to be good fun. Good stuff. Now, I won't do the maths, but between you, there's some serious coaching experience on the podcast today. I'm not sure my junior academy of coaching experience from 15 years at the Belfry can add much value, but I'm pleased to be involved. So, uh, yeah, thank you for your company. Phil, just to kick us off. Yeah. Personal interest of mine is always around the successful sort of student mentor relationships and how they can positively impact a career. Your relationship with the late great Howard Swash is one of the best sort of master apprentice stories going. I know our listeners will want to hear more about that relationship and the impact it's had on your career.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a long story, isn't it? You know, I'll give you the shortened version of it, but, I mean, Harold had a massive impact and I wouldn't be where I am today without Harold's help. Um, He was close family friend. So as a kid growing up, you know, getting into golf, he was one of my dad's best friends. So I spent a lot of time around Harold as a kid, playing golf with him. And then, um, you know, as we grew closer and later on in life, you know, when he, well, he helped me with my professional golf. So after university, when I, I turned pro to play, he helped me with that. So he, he he was a coach for me in my early years. But then when I packed in playing and got into coaching, he, he became a mentor in terms of as a coach. So, yeah, I mean, Har- Harold was uh, a smart bloke, passionate bloke, great character. I think he was ahead of his time um going back you know when he when he was in his pump so to have sort of that relationship with with such a man was was brilliant for me I think I get asked a lot by other you know um coaches or you know new members to the PGA you know how how can I improve my coaching and I think one of the things that you need to be able to to do is find yourself a mentor find someone that you can lean on and pick the brains of and get guidance from i know dave had it with one of the best guys out there i think martin or correct me if i'm wrong yeah, sure um, and it's people like that that you know can really help because you're tapping into their experience as much as anything not just the sort of knowledge and wisdom, it's just their experience. And I think that's so important for a coach to accelerate your own experience. And when you've got a mentor around you, that that really helps you.
2: Well, Phil, was he one of the first guys out there teaching
1: putting on tour? I, I think so. You know, certainly in Europe, he was a like a prominent figure in that respect. And that was, be, you know, long before I picked up a golf club you know, when I sort of started in around 10, 11, so we're talking 36 years ago, 37 years ago, he, you know, I, I knew Harold, I knew him then as, you know, a putting guy, a putting guru. And I think he, he was, I mean, he started through like the engineering and design of clubs. That's how he got into it. And then his sort of philosophy about how people should put evolved from that. Yeah. So yeah, I think he was he was you know we're talking a long time ago. Then we're talking obviously back in sort of the '80s and stuff. I don't think there were many people out there actually teaching putting, uh, or um, you know getting really in depth into the theory of it. Certainly in Europe. Sure. So, sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I remember going to Mia. I mean, Mia used to do a lot of golf schools at Mia, I think I got my, yeah. my Harold Swash certification in putting and my big bag of putting kit which I've still got in the garage actually some yeah in there as well it's uh the standard of the test of time in many in many ways so when, when you took over from from Harold as, as he sort of came to the end of his sort of time and, and career on on tour that I guess has open, opened the door to you to work with some of the best players in the world from there and from then to to now so I'm just interested in, in sort of not necessarily the mechanical side of it but more the, the coaching exactly. element and and i read recently uh, an interesting article which said that that you tried to to give more implicit learning rather than be explicit in do this do that can you just explain to our listeners what you mean by that so give us an example of what is implicit learning i guess would be a good starting point and then ha- how you go about that with a player and maybe an example or two
1: Well, I think you've got like explicit or implicit, the sort of two ends of the spectrum, haven't you? And like more explicit could be more, you know, conscious, more conscious technical development. You you, you could be more explicit in terms of more detailed in what you're asking the player to do, um, more hands-on in your coaching, you know, more implicit could be, you know, trying to constrain the learner into finding some of the solutions themselves. It could be less detailed in what you're asking them to do, but getting them to solve a problem. Um, So there could be less conscious thought about what they're doing. And uh, I would say sometimes that quote could be taken out of context, I think, because I will be quite explicit at times. I think there's times and scenarios where you have to be, even with certain people or personalities. And then there'll be other times where... You need to be the opposite. So I think you, you're kind of switching from different styles depending on what you're trying to do. I mean, there is some evidence in the literature that would suggest if you if you learn a skill implicitly, it could be more robust under pressure. But then, you know, you, you'll also come across lots of elite athletes that have learned skills very explicitly and are able to perform under the highest amount of pressure.
2: Does, does that change? Because obviously you, you'll see players, I guess, back at your academy, you know, and obviously, you spend a lot of time on tour. So, does, does the way in which you coach change? Do you feel through the course of a week or a particular context? So, I'm in the academy with a player who's not who's got two or three weeks off, versus it's the yeah. Wednesday afternoon, and and I'm and I'm working with a the player. Then, does
1: does that influence you at all? Yeah, I think so. Again, you know, there'll be certain players where when you're when you got that time off, you could dive into the specifics more be more conscious about making certain changes be more hands-on it could be more explicit and then you 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 kind of taper off as you get closer to an event but then there'll be players as well where you just know you they're not very mechanical not very technical They don't go into detail so even on those weeks off you 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 still could be very sort of hands-off and more implicit in how you encourage them to you know, develop skill. Uh, I, I, it really does depend upon the person and not just the timing. And, you know, there are some players who who I, I know that the day before a major, I, I could be very technical with because of how they work and, and that they can handle it, process it. And, in fact, it helps them as a consequence quite in their mind. And, I mean, a, a good, because we're talking about coaching, is a good. Thing for me a few years ago, I'm, I'm, I was at the Open at and I was working with Justin Rose, and Justin said something to me at the time that I thought was really profound, and it's helped me in my coaching relationship with him. But it also shows you like what, his ability to process information. But we were talking about something, and I said, "Well, you've been you kind of like you you've you've been trending that way," and he said to me, "Don't ever feel afraid to tell me where I'm at." Okay. Okay. I'd rather know where I'm at than think I'm somewhere else he said because if I know where I'm actually at on the golf course I know where I need to be and I can manage that so do you, you you've got to tell me where I'm at in other words it was kind of like don't be afraid to tell me you know yeah. the truth and where I'm at and it, and it, he's he'd be someone that's very good about processing information and then making it manageable, he'll make it manageable for him to then go out and play with it. So, like with a player like that, I, I, I would feel more comfortable in being technical and more explicit and even closer to the event. And then you've got maybe the opposite end of the spectrum, who could be someone like Gary Woodland, where, you know, there'll be tournaments where I will say nothing, you know, because he's in a place where he doesn't need anything, even though it's not perfect. But he can, you know, if his mind's in the right place, he can make things work, and he and he can adapt. So, it, you, I mean, ultimately, like you, you know, as well as anyone, David, you're coaching players and people. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're not coaching me- mechanics; you, you're coaching people.
2: Yeah, and and, and then just sort of along that on along that line how much do you find yourself breaking the skills down I mean you talk a lot about it in, in the course that we'll come on to shortly I think in terms of sort of key fundamentals to, to being a good putter do you do you find yourself breaking those those skills down and then building them all back up or do you find yourself working trying to work that all through one particular activity how, how does that generally work with you
1: Well, you've got three skills, haven't you? You've got your ability to start the ball online, control speed, and read a green. And, you know, at time, you know, those skills have to work together in order to be effective, you know, as as a putter, a player. So there's got to be some synergy with them. So really, you need to learn those skills all in context. You need to learn them together. But at times, you do have to break it down. You do have to, like, separate one of those components to then... Look at a particular area which you know is going to help that player, but then I think very quickly you have to put it all back in context together to see how everything works together. Yeah. So yeah, you, you you isolate things at times, but I, I do think you have to look at the put it back in and look at the bigger picture to see how everything function functions. Sure. Yeah. and that will be an important part of practice. Sure. You know how you structure a player's practice so that they're not in isolation working on, you know, a straight put all the time on, on one specific thing all the time that those those one or two keys that they may have. They're doing it, you know, practicing it in an environment which reflects what they're about to go out go and do and, and that's compete. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. That's cool,
2: cool. And, and, and I guess this, this is a nice introduction to sort of the three skills that you talked about into into your Academy and the the opportunity now for. PJ professionals consumers to to perhaps have a, have a peek behind the curtain at the stuff that you hold true to yourself at this point so yeah. maybe, maybe just give us an introduction to to what this online putting academy is yeah. all about
1: so one of the things that we we're able i had this idea for a number of years and worked on it but never really gained any momentum with it but then this year because of the pandemic it afforded Uh, myself and Mike who works with me, an opportunity to accelerate this. So um, we launched an online academy this year, which basic philosophy is around those three skills. Um, But then we highlight seven elements, which we call seven elements of putting, which really, um, if you can master, you're going to master those three skills. And the academy is designed uh, for anyone who wants to improve their putting. So it's for players to go through a process in which they can devise their own programme. Um, so it's it's really rather than you know you know teaching a method to everyone it's more a case of helping them analyse which skills they may be deficient in and then breaking down why they could be deficient in that area and then finding solutions for them. Within this sort of 12-month membership you can go through a time-framed learning program like a 12-week program where we'll do an assessment, allocate what we believe will be the relevant videos to them and then they'll essentially work through those three phases of developing start line, speed and and read. And then there's various other resources within the academy such as, um, you know, you've got handicap trackers, strokes gained analysis, We have um, a drill section where we have over 70 different types of practice drills based around the core philosophy of technical development, skill development and performance practice. And also we offer performance analysis in terms of within your practice, quantifying your practice and tracking those scores over time. You know, an important part of practice for me is having some element of performance in there and quantifying that to see if you're getting better in practice and where your weak areas could be and what you might need to do to improve. So we have a, an area where you can track your practice and your performance and measure that and compare that against other levels of golfers. So it's aimed at anyone who's really wanting to improve. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of PGA pros and coaches that have actually signed up to join the program. And I think it's of good value or great value for them as well, because I guess they're seeing how we coach our framework and system. So whenever we do educational courses, you know, we don't necessarily teach a method per se, but we have a system. We have a framework of how we coach. That framework is displayed in this academy. So from a coaching perspective, you can see the framework we go through, the drills and exercises, the approaches that we would have depending on any particular problem, you know. So, um, so we've had quite a few pros that have been, been interested, have been involved. And, and one of the things that we've also set up for those coaches that, you know, are passionate about helping their students improve their putting, that have enjoyed the academy, is to offer an affiliate programme. Right. so pros are interested and they want to share this academy with their students and there's an affiliate program for for those coaches so that they'll you know get a commercial benefit for being involved but also um, then access to that program themselves so and hopefully that'll encourage the you know the more people we can get it out there too and the more people that can can look to improve the put and enjoy golf more then you know it's a winner for everyone isn't it
2: I guess. I guess going back to the very start and Rich's first question about mentors and the benefit yeah. of being able to see how people operate—that's in essence what you're providing on a virtual basis, isn't it? It's what what I had access to with Martin and Dennis Pugh and people like that, and you've had access to with others is that you're seeing how 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 they think, how they put things across, and that, that's that's that, that very difficult to put a price on that sort of thing.
1: It's very, yeah. Difficult
2: it's when it's been proven on so many occasions to work
1: yeah I mean I I did a podcast with a um a good friend of mine and coach last week Ollie Lee and we were talking about coaching and and and, you know what makes a great coach and I think you know it's easy to think like information you know I'm going to become more and more knowledgeable but I don't think that necessarily makes you a great coach you need to know what to do with that knowledge Sure. and you you know your interpersonal skills and communication skills are so important and undervalued yeah but I think you know having a framework and, and that doesn't necessarily mean a method you know but how you organize yourself as a coach and the framework that you you may you may operate within I think it's really important I think you need frameworks to keep you keep a structure to your coaching
0: so yeah. just on that point sorry but you know obviously We're going to have a lot of PJ members listening to this, non-members as well, because we're we're publishing it everywhere. Perhaps you could give a bit bit more information just on that framework and the systems and some of those insights that a PJ member would get if they if they were to um, subscribe and get involved.
1: So, I mean, the framework, from in my point of view, if you think of like the paradigm that my coaching would exist under, is the fact that putting is based around three skills, skills per se, not techniques. So, your skill is your ability to start the ball online really you know predict break and control speed their skills and you can employ a lot of different techniques to become potentially skillful in any any one of those areas and then if you break that down further what you know what elements could affect those three skills so we we kind of got seven elements and that would be the, uh, the framework that i would operate within these are the seven elements which affect people's performance which players have to manage to manage the performance, or which a coach has to manage to help their players' performance. And that, the first element would be aim bias. So, you know, for me, how you aim the putter is an important component. You've got stroke bias, which relates to your stroke mechanics and the bias that your stroke would produce. You know, players will typically have patterns, which you're trying to manage. You've got speed dynamics, so how you generate and control speed. You've got green reading, so the methods and uh, processes that you use to predict break and the biases you might have in there. You've got targeting strategy, which you, uh, you know you, the re- your attentional focus and how you how you react to breaking puts and the processes you use on a breaking put. You've got ball roll dynamics, so the importance of impact and how that what that creates on the ball, and that, this is something that I would say. If, Harold had a legacy, it would be in ball row dynamics. So I learned so much about from Harold about the importance of impact. So, and that's in, you know, that that's in ball row dynamics. And then putter fitting, last but not least, putter fitting. You know, that's an important component for me. The the putter is going to constrain the player, potentially, the player and the putter interact, and how do they interact? So there's seven elements, and that's my framework. So whenever I'm I've got a student in front of me. I, I, I'll be looking across those elements, whether it's consciously, subconsciously, whether the player knows that or not. There'll be players that I work with who wouldn't know those seven elements, and we've never talked about three of them because three of them never needed speaking about. They were fine. And you're looking at those elements in in context together. They all kind of affect each other. So that would be my framework. And then you might have different methods in terms of how you go about that and and then within within each element you may have preferences within each element so there'd be could you could have preferences as to how you may you know set up to the putter to move the putter in a certain manner i mean i would say i've got a few different preferences but those preferences typically relate to the problems that you find and and certain patterns that you would have. So if you if you have a a player who has a pull bias that is generated through how his trail arm works, then I'll have certain preferences of how I would like that trail arm to be adopted at setup to, to influence the motion. So there's certain preferences within that, but I think those those preferences will be specific to problems or specific to certain movement patterns as opposed to a generic preference as this is how everyone should set up, this is how everyone's ball position should be, stuff like that.
0: I guess that's the skill of the coach, isn't it, is taking all of that uh, theory and applying it to the individual circumstance that's in front of you based on the the scenario around the student, I guess.
1: Yeah, which I think is a lot of experience, isn't it? I think that's some... I'm a better coach now than what I was 10 years ago just because of experience. If you've got a good framework like that, and you reflect, you reflect well, then you accentuate that experience, you know, because you're you're you learning from that experience, aren't you? You're not just ploughing through lessons and not thinking about it. I think if um, if you once if you are teaching a method, uh, and you, you 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 you're not particularly self-reflective, I don't think the volume of lessons that you would do, you would learn as much from. Sure. Well, I think if you have if you're a little bit more open-minded in terms of the models and your application of them and then you are particularly reflective as well i think you'd learn you learn a lot more from your your body of work from the volume of latins that you would do because you see of that
2: full swing as well wouldn't you phil i mean you'd, you'd see that if you're, if you're just teaching just one way to swing a golf club versus what you're talking about there is a real is a framework around which like say preferences which, in the full swing of perhaps sometimes clearer, if you've got a, a Dustin Johnson grip and a bowed left wrist and a different impact to a player with with a far weaker grip, yeah, you perhaps don't see that quite as quick, quickly, or quite as clearly in putting, unless you've got a very keen eye. And, and I think again, if we went back 10 years, it did seem like putting was in a space where, if everybody learnt the method then they would they would roll the ball perfectly, but but clearly that's that's not the case in just the same way as just adopting a model swing is not yeah. what it's all about with the full swing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and I came from that space as well, like when I mean, it's fair to say like Harold had a particular method that he liked to see. I mean he he came from an engineering background. yeah, I think it was more you know theoretical he didn't necessarily have like a coaching experience or even particular sort of playing experience other than being a very avid you know keen avid and good standard of golfer but i think he was applying his sort of engineering view on a lot of things yeah so yeah i mean as a player i was taught a method and then as a coach in my early days i applied a method but i think what what i was able to do early on was appreciate the downfall of certain things and to be fair to Harold as well, in his latter stages, like, although although he wasn't necessarily maybe coaching at that time, you know, I'd come back to him and say, well, listen, what about this and what about that? And he was never discouraging, you know, he was quite happy to, you know, sort of help guide me and, and help me, you know, provide other solutions. But I think, you know, that that experience of, you know, a lot of people don't realise, like, in my coaching career early on how much teaching of putting i did like you know with regular golfers mm-hmm. you know because harold had a good reputation you know we'd have a lot of players that would come for putting lessons so very early on you know you was teaching a lot of putting and you're teaching all standard of golfers and that was a great sounding board for me you know i think a lot of people think well you just because of harold you're kind of in at the deep and just teaching tour pros or whatever and that wasn't the case you know we were teaching all all standards of golfer very early on but that was brilliant because you're cutting your teeth yeah you know, so. and you realize well yeah okay that that doesn't help this player you know i can get everyone set up the same but people still going to move it very very differently mm-hmm. stuff like that so it Again, you know, the experience is, is so important alongside, men, you know, mentorship, uh, uh, knowledge, stuff like that. But experience is good.
0: Well, you talked about um, the affiliate opportunity for for PJ members. Um, yeah, we will we'll get this out this week to to, to yeah to the membership. Um, how 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 can pros get in get in touch with you? How do they find out more information? So basically, if they if
1: they go onto the website PhilKenyonPutting.com. They will actually that's the landing page for the online Academy so there's plenty of information there as to how the academy works if if they um, send, send me an email to info at philkenyonputtingcom just explain pJ member interest in the affiliate program then we can uh, get get back in touch and, and see what we can do to help them
0: brilliant thank you very much finally Phil much you've achieved in the game not least being one of the youngest PJ master professionals what what single moment stands out as a career highlight for you i, I, don't, I don't know it, it that should we do another podcast
1: <laughs> it's it's tough really because it's like every every um every sort of highlight that you have as it has its own sort of meaning doesn't it you know so it, it's, it's difficult to say i mean the rider cups have being involved in a couple of the Ryder Cups have been particularly, like meaningful for me because, you know, um, my dad took me to uh, you know Ryder Cup at the Belfry when I was a young boy. I remember we got caught done for speeding on the way down, and that was like a very early memory of you know professional golf at the highest level. And I'm of that generation where we've seen a lot of success in the Ryder Cup, where we kind of overturned the US dominance and. You you know, the great sporting events aren't they to watch on TV, and all your heroes are playing, and there's great sort of camaraderie. So, watching Ryder Cups, growing up watching them, and then all of a sudden getting a chance to be involved in them, that's been amazing for me. So, I'd say I've been lucky to be at four Ryder Cups Celtic Manor, Glen Eagles, Hazel Team. Hazel Team was, I would say, a particular highlight, even though we got like hammered um, because that Darren Clark was really inclusive of the coaches in that Ryder Cup. So you had access to, like, the team room and the locker room, and you really felt, like, for the first time, that you were actually part of the team. And then there was, at the time, there were eight guys that I were helping that was part of that team, so you felt like you were kind of really part of it. So I'd say that was a particular highlight. And then another highlight, I would say, would be when I got my master pga status which was given to me at the open which was at royal birkdale at the time Mm. so i remember at hillside and i used to go across the car park to go and have lessons off richard bradbeer at birkdale Mm. as a kid so to then kind of get that status at the open i'm working at the open you know got my status my mum and dad were there my wife my little boy who He'd had been like one one or two at a time, whatever he was there. So, I'd say sort of that was a nice that was a nice highlight for me because it's obviously some recognition about what you've done in your career, and I was able to share it with my family at home, you know. So that was good. Brilliant. So there would be two highlights.
0: Very good. If I could just reassure our listeners, that was completely non-scripted as well. Uh, so yeah, thanks <laughs> for including that. First. I got the I got
1: the email off Dave. We just didn't tell you. <laughs>
0: very good good. Uh, gents that's all we've got time for today it's been a really insightful session Phil really really appreciate you taking the time to spend time with us today and sharing your story so thanks for that we we wish you all the best with your, your new online academy
1: yeah cheers guys thanks for having me
0: on thanks for listening to today's PJ Live the podcast The regularity of these podcasts are yet to be fully confirmed, but we'll be sure to let you know when the next one is available. We would welcome your company. Please let me know your feedback on today's podcast. Also, let me know if there are any topics you would like us to cover in the future. Perhaps you'd even like to be a guest on a future episode. Please send your feedback and questions into pgalive at pga.org.uk.